Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. I'm excited, you know, as we're going through this book, uh, First John, there's just so many things I feel like I'm, like I'm, I'm kind of seeing this in a fresh new light in ways that I haven't seen before uh, as many times as I've read this letter. And so I'm just being really, really just blessed, encouraged uh, by this book myself. And I hope that this is true for you as well. And uh, so before we go into it and just kind of get uh, into today's passage, uh, again, I'm just going to ask you to uh, join me in a word of prayer. Let's ask the Lord, let's ask the Holy Spirit to really be our true teacher, to uh, open our hearts and our eyes to see who God really is. So uh, please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, that uh, your word shows us who you are, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts and our eyes. We know that if we just simply read these words uh, and you are not present or your spirit's not actually at work in our hearts, it's just words, uh, they, they don't, they're not going to change us. And so, Lord, we ask, I ask, Lord, that you would uh, open the eyes of our hearts, uh, that we may see uh, the hope of our calling, but we would see your glory, uh, that your word would just light our path, uh, that it would reveal who you are, and uh, we thank you and we praise you for your presence. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, that you are the living Savior that we worship, and it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. So the last uh, couple weeks or a few weeks, we started this message or the series on First John, and it's uh, Walking in the Light, and we're talking a lot about what it means to actually know God. And when we talk about knowing God, we're not just talking about a general belief in God, right, that we just subscribe to these doctrines or uh, as important as doctrine is. We're not just saying, I generally believe in these truths or have a general belief in Jesus. Uh, That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actually knowing God knowing Jesus personally, experientially, by faith, like having, uh, having the life of God come into us. This is what John is trying to communicate to us. When you know Jesus, when you know God, his life comes into your heart, into your soul, and there is then this inexplicable joy that forms deeply in your heart. And we looked at this one verse, uh, we looked at several verses, but there's this one verse last week in John chapter 17, verse 3. And, you know, John talks about here in 1 John, he says that Jesus came as a word of life to give you eternal life. But what is eternal life? And Jesus says very clearly, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. It is not about, well, I made a decision about Jesus, uh, you know, some time in my life in the past, and I received him, I'm going to go to heaven. That is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about actually knowing him personally, experientially. This is eternal life. I talked about a couple of, uh, you know, ways or kind of, uh, you know, that this is a joy that's like, a, think of it as a, a well that's deep in our souls. But I, I mentioned to you, uh, thank you, Angela, for bringing up, you know, just during our, you know, break, our fellowship time, you know, just about my friend, right? 
and she asked me you know, uh, just about Rob and I mentioned and, and uh, this week I'm going up to, uh, to do their service but I mentioned the example of my friend right? and in the face of all that they have journeyed through and gone through that what I have seen in their life is a reality of God. I've seen the reality of what we call just this, this uh, a well of hope, of confidence, of peace, of joy that is inexplicable. Like you just can't explain it if it weren't for the life of God inside of them. Yeah, there's tremendous pain, tremendous sorrow, uh, tremendous grief, but underneath the surface of that is this well of hope, confidence, peace, and joy. And this past week uh, in our GC group, you know, we're, we're talking about different things. And on, where's where's on? Yeah, back there. Okay, I need my binoculars. Okay, there's on. Uh, but on, you know, in our little discussion group, uh, he brought the example, and I appreciate this, the example of how many guys are familiar with this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, right? So very, very classic Christian hymn, like just one of the great ones. And uh, some of you know the story, some of you don't know the story. But that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by this guy named Horatio Stafford. And Horatio and his wife had lost their four-year-old son to, to a disease, an early illness. And what he thought was, I'm going to go ahead and send my wife and my four daughters uh, on a vacation. I think they just need a break. I think they need to kind of um, just have this time to refresh, to get strengthened, encouraged, all of that. So he sent off his family on a transatlantic uh, ship. And the ship, uh, as it was going through, ended up colliding and sinking. All four daughters drowned and lost their lives. And his wife, uh, Anna, was the only one uh, in the family who survived. And then she made it to England, and she telegraphed, and this is back in about 1871, she telegraphed her husband, Horatio, with the words, saved alone. You know, they didn't have like text messaging, you know, or, you know, cell phones, right, or even emails. Uh, it took a while. And so that's all the words that Horatio received through this tele- telegraph, saved alone. And he immediately stopped, dropped his business, whatever he was working on. He took the next uh, ship out, and right as that ship was crossing over the part where uh, they documented or figured that the ship had sunk and his daughters drowned and lost their lives, he wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And the words are, there are a lot of great hymns, uh, a lot of great uh, verses to this hymn, but this verse says, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Wow. 
So whenever you sing this, and, and I think in the future, uh, whoever the praise leaders are, let's sing this, you know. But this is, this is amazing. What can explain this? In the face of some of the most challenging, painful losses of life, that you can say, it is well with my soul. This can only be explained because you know the life of God, because you know Jesus. That's the only way they can explain this. And this is what Jesus, all the New Testament writers, uh, Peter, Paul, James, uh, John, I mean, this is what they're all saying. They're all promising that when you know Jesus, when you know God, that there is going to be this well of peace and this joy that comes into your life. But the question is, why? If this is exactly what Jesus promised, and this is what John is saying as well, that you know, we, we write these things so that you can have this fullness of joy, that our joy may be complete, why is it that so many of us don't experience this reality? Right? Why is it this, that this joy that the New Testament really pictures is true of those who follow Jesus, why is it that it loses us so many times? There are many reasons for it. And sometimes one reason, honestly, is we don't pursue God hard enough. Like we're, we're kind of complacent and we kind of do what we need to, but we're not really pursuing God. And that is a reason but I would say that that's only the surface. That's only the surface issue. And the root issue is something that's much deeper than just maybe not pursuing God hard enough, like being more disciplined or trying harder. And I think John is about to show us the deeper issues in these next several verses. He's going to kind of get really into it, and he's going to show us what is it that maybe that's missing sometimes. So, Verse 5, this is how John starts off. He says, This is a message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I, I'm going to just take, I'm going to hone in on this verse, on these couple of verses. But notice this. The first thing is, it starts with God. It starts with God. To know the life of God, to know the joy of God, we must actually begin with God. We must begin with God. The message of the Bible, the message of John, does not begin with you or I. It begins with God. In the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? This, and the rest of the Bible, from Genesis 1-1, the very beginning, is all about who is God, what is he like? What has he done? I mean, so really, Genesis to the rest of the Bible, it's just an explanation. In the beginning, God. Who is this God? It's all about knowing him. If you start off just trying to know yourself, it doesn't work. So a lot of the people these days are on the search, right? We're on the search to, to know ourselves, to, to discover ourselves, to look for ourselves, 
uh, they're kind of on this quest, right? What is my identity? Uh, who am I? All of those kind of things. And they're on this search, and they're looking from within to find their peace or purpose, all of those things. But the Bible would say it begins the other way around. And in order to find yourself, to know yourself, you actually have to begin with God himself. Who is God? Because as you come to know God, you will then come to know who you actually are. It's like a compass and a map. And, you know, if I have a true north, a destination, if I know where I'm heading, the compass can help me get there. But if I don't know where I'm going, what use is a compass, right? Um, and if you are on a journey, if you're on a path, you've got to know this destination, and then you've got to know, then get the tools to get you there. But um, the point is, is that God is really the destination. Since this world, or our, our lives were created by God, it would make sense that God knows best who you are. And he's the one who knows your purpose, your identity, your, the meaning of life, all of those things. There's a few verses, a couple verses I'll just share with here, but Psalm 46, verse 10. The psalmist writes this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Um, who is God? Be still. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let not the mighty men boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these saints, declares the Lord. It's useless to have all the money, all the power, all the wealth, all of those things, if you don't know who God is, what God values, what God is saying, this is what I truly, truly value is the person who actually knows me, right? This is a person who has true wealth, the person who knows who God is. In these things, I delight. God values the knowledge of who he is far above anything else. And A.W. Tozer, he is he wrote a little book called The Knowledge of the Holy. A great little book. And he writes simply, Without doubt, the mightiest thought the mind can entertain is the thought of God. And the weightiest word in any language is its word for God. This is the highest thought you will ever have in life is who is, is who God is. It's a way, it's the most important. It's a thing that will actually fill your heart and your soul. And this is where John begins. This is a message. You want joy? You want to know the life of God? Well, who is he? That's how he's going to begin, which leads to the next point. Verse five, he says, this is a message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you. The message that we have heard and proclaim to you. In other words, so God wants you to know him, and God has not left us clueless about who he is. 
he's given us a revelation of who he is. And this is what John is getting at. He's saying, this is who God is, but you have to understand something. It's a message that we have been given and we give it to you. In other words, John, you know, he was not on some spiritual quest to try to discover God. That's not what, what he was doing, right? He didn't go up to like some mountain on a spiritual a retreat and say, okay, God, I'm looking for you. I'm on this quest. I need to find you. And then he read a bunch of books and philosophy and religious writers and studied all these different works and then talked to all these different people, had discussions with all these, you know, educated people and, you know, kind of refined his thinking and then distilled these thoughts and philosophies into these principles about who God is. That's not what John did. What John is saying is that he actually, he was just a recipient of who Jesus is. Jesus appeared, and as Jesus appeared, he was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, and he's recording these things and passing them along to us. And so this is a message that he's not making up. It's a message he's received, he didn't make up, he didn't construct, and and so it's a message that he's giving now to you and I. This is what he's doing. There's a story in the Old Testament, and there's a story of Moses who is going up on Mount Sinai, and as he's going up on on Sinai, uh, he is receiving uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments, so this uh, revelation of who God is. But what's interesting is, as he's up there, there is Aaron at the bottom with the rest of the Israelites. And you know what Aaron is doing? As Moses is receiving this revelation from God, Aaron takes all this gold stuff and he forms a golden calf. And he leads the Israelites, the people, to bow down and worship this golden calf. And the point of this story in the Old Testament is really simple. Uh, If we don't know, if we don't receive a revelation from God through his word, God revealing himself to us, we are all prone to construct a God of our own making. We're all going to come up with our version of who God is. We're going to formulate concepts or our notions that fit our preferences. This is who God is. This is a God I want, and this is a God I want to worship. And we will formulate that and construct that on our own. That's what happens, and that's the point of that story in the Old Testament. And our hearts are prone that way, so that's why we need Scripture, because Scripture is what gives us the revelation of who God is. So who is God? Well, take him at his word. We've got to take God at his word. And when you take God at his word, what that means is that Oftentimes, when you read scripture, it will challenge the deepest assumptions in your heart of who God really is. It will challenge you to the core. That's how you know you've encountered the real God. A God of our own making is a God that we feel comfortable with, that we say, oh, this is who God is. And, you know, I gravitate towards this kind of God. But when you encounter the real God of scripture, it's going to disturb you. How do I know? Scripture. So I just opened up 
at the beginning of this service, Isaiah chapter 6. Here's Isaiah. He's like the holiest, most righteous guy in all of Israel. He comes into the presence of God. He sees the Lord seated on his throne. What happens to Isaiah? He just, he's, he's like, he's disturbed. He's like, he's, he's bowing down. And he's coming. He says, woe is me. I am, I, like, I'm coming undone. Right? And if anyone, Isaiah, would have been a guy who said, oh, yeah, God, you and I, we're, we're pretty good, right? We're, we're good buddies. But he comes undone in that moment. That's, that was a revelation of who God was. You look at Peter, right? So Peter is in that boat with Jesus, right? And then they have that large catch of fish. And notice Peter's response. What is Peter's response? Oh, that was awesome, Jesus. High five, you know? Like, that was, right? He's not doing that, right? Like, this is not what Peter's doing. What does, Jesus, what does Peter do? He says, he says, depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That's how Peter responds. That's bizarre. Why would he respond to the Lord that way? Right? Paul, Saul, on the way to the road to Damascus, he's, he's going, he, and what happens? He's struck, he's blinded, right? He had his no, own notion of who God was. He was zealous. He was a Pharisee. He thought that he knew God. He's, he's pursuing uh, the God of his fathers, so he thought, and he's just completely undone. You will notice this time and again throughout Scripture. This is, this is how you know that you're encountering the real God. Think about that. This is what John is saying. If you want to know the real God, if you want to have your life changed, if you want to know what people like Horatio Spafford, what he knows, what he's experienced, if you, you know, you have to know, you have to take God at his word. Who is God as scripture reveals him to be? And this is the real God. And then you got to let scripture completely undo you, undo your assumptions. But here's a third thing. And this is what I want to kind of hone in on a little bit. And, uh, and we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come as well. We must begin with God's holiness. We must begin with the holiness of God. The first thing that John wants us to know about God in verse 5 is this. He says, this is a message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. And notice, what is the first thing that John is very eager to communicate to you and I? The very first thing that, God, that John wants us to know is, he says, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Which is really strange. Right? Because in, in verse 4, John says, we write these things so that your joy may be full. Our joy may be complete. And if I am John, and I'm just thinking on my own, right? If I'm John and I want your joy to be complete, I want my joy to be, to, to be complete, I would start off with, you know, God loves you. God is joyful and uh, God wants you to be joyful and uh, here's how he can make you joyful. But ironically, that's not how John starts. John ties in joy with the holiness of God. And here's God. He is light. There is no darkness at all in God. John wants you to know that this is where joy, the Christian, where true Christian joy begins. 
but the holiness of God. What is the gospel? We use the word gospel a lot here at the well. And we, we, we preach the gospel every Sunday, right? We, we talk about the gospel all the time. We talk about living gospel-centered lives, being a gospel-centered church, all of those things, and that we fully believe that. But what is the gospel? Here's the gospel. The gospel is that God is holy, and we are sinful and more wicked than we even realize. And we deserve death. We deserve judgment. Because God is holy, and he has an absolute standard of right and wrong, and he holds each one of us accountable to that standard. And we all fall short of it. We all fall short of God's glory. And yet, in God's love, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners, to give us new life. And he is the risen, exalted king. That is the gospel. God is both light and love. He's both light and love. He's both holy and merciful. But if you don't start off with the holiness and light of God, you will not understand the mercy of God. If you, you could talk about the love of God all you want, but it's just like it's very shallow. It's very sentimental. So it's just kind of a feeling, but it lacks depth. It lacks understanding of what the gospel is. So the gospel would make no sense unless you understand the holiness of God. Sin will not make any sense. In fact, the word sin sounds archaic. It sounds old-fashioned. It sounds like, you know, uh, you know can we talk about something else? Um, the cross means very little. Forgiveness of sins doesn't really bring much joy because I've been forgiven little, so there's little to actually love. That's what it will, will feel like. And it doesn't change you and I. There's this guy, uh, there's this German poet. His name is uh, Heinrich Heine. And this German poet, uh, he was this poet, uh, this, this writer, and he lived this very promiscuous lifestyle, right? Very, very immoral and uh, here he is, he's on his deathbed, and then someone uh, asks uh, Heinrich, uh, Heinrich Heine, uh, okay, these German, German names, okay, and I actually took German, okay, but yeah, Heinrich, 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 okay, there we go, that's how you're really supposed to pronounce it, but uh, so they asked this guy, um, hey, you know, what do you think of your eternity, you know, and you know what his response was? He said, Oh, God will forgive me. It's his job to do that. God will forgive me. It's his job to forgive me. There's no, <laughs> there's no gospel in that, right? Uh, there, there's no change. There's, there's nothing in that. And uh, it's a distortion, right? So some people like this guy, Heinrich, right? It's kind of like they view God. It's kind of like this... It's, Sometimes our view of God is like this grandfatherly, jolly, heavenly, like he's, he's our heavenly grandfather, right? And it's, it's his job to be jolly and to forgive sins. That's sometimes our, our notion of who God is. But this view of God completely lacks any power to change you and I and lacks any substance whatsoever to give us real joy. It means nothing there's no true gospel. There's no, there's no good news at all. And so John says this. 
If you want Christian joy, if you want to know a deep well of joy, if you want your life changed, you must begin with the holiness of God. That's the beginning point. And then he's going to move on, and he's going to talk a lot more about this in the rest of this letter. But God is both light and he's, he's love. If you distort either, you miss the gospel altogether. And again, you and I, we all have tendencies one way or another. In here, we either have a tendency to see God as all love, but very little light, or some of us may see a lot of light, but little love. But you distort God either way, and you're going to miss it. Right? If you're all about light, God is light, but no love, you're going to be harsh, you're going to be critical, judgmental, stern, all of that. But if you see God is all love, but there's no light, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing behind it. There's no power. There's no, there's no real power to face the real hardships of life. And so either distortions will lead eventually to spiritual darkness, to spiritual blindness. Paul St. John is very, very keen on conveying who God is so that we are led out of spiritual darkness into the light. Christians who know deeply of both God's light and his love will have the internal strength and joy of knowing who God is and be able to face whatever life throws your way because you know God. You have the life of God in you. I'm going to lead us into this time And as God reveals uh, himself to you, this time of communion, this response before the Lord, uh, the word communion is interesting because we talked about this last time too. But communion is another word of saying that I have fellowship with God. That's what communion means. That I know the living God. I know the true God. I'm coming to know the true God. And I have this relationship with him. And how does this true God reveal himself? Well, he reveals himself through the cross. And what is the cross? The cross reveals that God is both light and he's love. That he takes sin seriously because he's holy. But he also loves you and I. And he sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is both light and love, and the cross demonstrates that in the perfect way. And so when we take communion, we are saying, you are the true God. I worship you. And I want you to be able to speak to me, undo me, search me, try my heart, see what's in the deepest recesses of my soul. You're the one true God. And I belong to you. And I want to submit my life to you. This is what we're saying when we take communion. And so I invite you to come up and to, to have this posture right, of humility, of repentance, of saying, Lord, um, here's my life. And if there's anything that you want to shine your light into, shine it. And I want the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me. And the promise is he is faithful, he is just to forgive you and I of our sins, and he will. So come up and pray, but respond to the Lord himself. He, he calls you to respond to him, and there are people back there who are willing to pray with you as well. So take advantage of that. Pray with others, pray by yourself, but respond to God, and then come up when you're ready. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.